0: This is the Data Center Frontier Show, where we tell the story of the data center industry and its future. Our show is hosted by Rich Miller, the editor of Data Center Frontier. And now here's Rich with our show.
1: Our guest today is Kirk Alfell, who is the CEO of Overwatch Mission Critical. Uh, Kirk, welcome to the podcast.
2: Hi, Rich. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to come talk about what we're doing.
1: Tell me about, uh, about Overwatch and, and what it's all about.
2: Yeah, you got it. Um, well, thanks again for giving us the chance to come and talk about who we are. And I'm excited to connect with some of the members of your audience. So uh, I know a lot of people follow everything that you write, and, and I'm one of them. So thanks. It's an honor to talk to you. We started Overwatch in uh, November of 2019. So uh, my advice to anybody that's listening would be, if you have a really good job at a great company, what you want to do is you want to go out and start your own business, but you want to try to time it to where you started just before a global pandemic. It couldn't be the most ideal situation, but, um, you know, we have a very tight mission and we have a very, very clear purpose. And with that, it's allowed us to not only, you know, weather the storm, but we had the opportunity to grow significantly. So uh, we got just between 25 and 30 souls on our team now. And our only focus is on, the mission critical vertical, but we're getting into other verticals of industry. And our primary purpose is to go and provide purpose to our fellow veterans. So we've evolved over the last two years and it's just been an amazing ride. And it's been one of the greatest parts of my professional career.
1: So I wanna talk about uh, the, the mission uh, and your outreach to the veterans community and how that <clears> intersects <throat> with uh, the mission critical work uh, that's done in, in so many data centers. But I wanted to start with, with talking a little bit about, about what, what your story and, and background is and how you got into the data center industry and, and some of your experience that's brought you to this point.
2: I love this space. I love this industry. And I've been lucky enough to get into it shortly after I left the military. Um, I was on submarines. In fact, that's a picture of my boat right there. And um, I kind of accidentally fell into this space. I started my career as a UPS service engineer. And I did that while I was uh, putting myself through school. So uh, I knew I, I wanted to graduate college. I um, I just didn't know how I was going to do that when I left the military and, and having a skill set that the military has to offer uh, and, and just stumbling into an industry that really finds value in that skill set or that ability to show a high aptitude. I just got fortunate. So this industry was really exploding when I got out of the military in 2000 and I started at the very bottom and when I graduated college, I got into more um, challenging roles like as a project manager and I just kind of kept growing throughout my career. And with that and with my curiosity, I was able to, to kind of move from different parts of the industry, right? Our industry has an amazing ecosystem. Uh, you know, we have the enterprise and users, we have the data center operators, but there's a lion's share of other people that um, make up this space right and those are some of the folks that you know are on the design teams and the engineering teams and there's you know brokers that are you know helping find real estate where we go build these massive cathedrals that are the home for the cloud um, but there's a lot of people that have to manufacture equipment you know the electrical and mechanical permutations exist extremely challenging and difficult so there's a lot of components and with that there's a lot of manufacturers and then in addition to that there's a lot of people that Perform the services, right? So you have the contractors and the subcontractors and the tradesmen and the specialists, and and I've got a I've got to work for almost all those categories of the ecosystem in my 20 years of being in the industry, as well as working for a couple of data center operators. I knew that um, this this emerging vertical of industry was exciting, and I knew that there was a lot of opportunity for growth. I've never seen an industry reinvent itself so, so much and so aggressively. Um, literally, you know, this is a, an industry that doesn't really value experience as much as it does um, aptitude and ability to, to evolve, right? And for me, coming into this space, I mean, we all start from nowhere, but I didn't have a lot of experience, but I did have a hunger to learn and, and I was unleashed, right? So this space allows young professionals to come in with that are ready to you know, come in early and stay late and work hard and they'll reward you by giving you experience. And that's what I did. So I kind of floated throughout the industry. And every few years I got to evolve throughout my career. And that took me from one company to the next. And before you knew it, I felt like I left with a really strong understanding of what we do in the space. And with that, I stepped away and on my own and decided to, to see if I could make a run at doing that uh, with a couple of partners that had worked with me in the past. And we knew which direction we were pointed in, but we didn't know the exact path. We just knew that if we uh, had a really strong purpose and a very clear mission, and we took our experience with us and our willingness to reinvent ourselves, we could go offer a lot of value, not only to this industry, but also to our community that we came from, which is uh, the name of the veteran community.
1: The purpose of, of Overwatch, your whole mission, <clears throat> sort of connects uh, uh, two important aspects. Uh, First is is the need for uh, skilled uh, uh, people in the, in the data center and mission-critical in- industry. There's a, a huge gap between uh, the amount of uh, jobs that need to be filled, the work that needs to be done, and the, the skilled the talent available to do it. And at the same time, your work with the, with the veterans community uh, really is uh, um, helping people find a role into the industry, uh, which is not a simple thing I, you know I always ask folks about how they uh, got into the data center industry because uh, there aren't necessarily the the clear pathways into this business that you see in in some uh, more mature or more established industries Tell me a little bit about uh, uh, how you settled on uh, the approach that you're taking at overwatch
2: you know one of the greatest parts about being in the military is you don't you don't go and join the military to make a lot of money. You go there and make a, a lot of difference. Not only that, but you want to, uh, you know, you want to tribe up, right? You, you, There's different branches of service. Each one creates a different type of profile for people. And there are certain uh, responsibilities or primary duties that they all have. And, and with that, you just want to go be a part of something that's bigger than yourself. And And the hardest transition the veterans have, and this is my own experience, is finding a really clear purpose that a, a, it allows us to wake up inspired every morning. We work with a team of people that, um, despite the fact that we're you know in a nuclear submarine, we're pulling the plug and going deep. And that's a 26 megawatt reactor. Last time I looked at it, it could light up Chicago. And and we're sinking it on purpose. There's so many dangers associated with that. Let alone the soldiers in combat that are you know the, they measure mission critical not by downtime, but by mortality. And and I remember leaving or being in the military and being like, thank God I work with people I feel safe around. Not not because of the fact that we didn't have dangers like a reactor on a ship that sinks and people shooting at us, Um, but it was safe from the politics and safe from um, the Game of Thrones or the normal friction and conflict that has when you have ambitious people. Uh, trying to kind of, um, you know, crawl up over each other. seems like um, the beauty about the military is that we only had one mission and it was one purpose and it was one command and we were all rowing in the same direction. And I think that as I transitioned throughout the military, I think that for the most part, it wasn't as though I hit a plateau and was unable to learn where I was at. I think I, I, think I emotionally was looking to be another part of a A high performing team where everyone cared about each other genuinely. And it's hard in a competitive environment that we're in, where you're not gonna find a lot of companies that are gonna put the the people ahead of the profits. Not that a lot of companies don't do a great job trying to find a healthy balance, but objectively, I I knew that I wanted to see others be able to unleash their selfless backgrounds and their aptitude and reinvent themselves with us. So we left, we started this group and we said the only thing that we have to offer right now is our, um, you, know, our you know, Pat Lencioni wrote a book, you know, the three primary characteristics or traits of a good team, uh, teammate is to be humble, hungry, and smart. And for us, those are the things that we had to offer and our understanding of how the industry has evolved and where we think it's going. We said the only priority that we had was to create a paramilitary type culture to where people... You know, came in to that place to work, to either lead or be led. This is where they came to grow their careers and uh, to learn everything, you know, right then and there. So we started it and we said, let's go out and see if we could help some of these businesses that are struggling. Uh, I don't think the industry needed, you know, another owner's rep group. I just felt like it needed a different one, one with a different mission and a different purpose. So our focus was we're gonna go out and hire veterans transitioning out of the military. So there's a need for us to have people with knowledge, experience, and wisdom in this space. Um, So we have to have an element of experience, but the industry, I mean, Dean did a really good job, maybe even in one of your publications and where he talked about the existential threat in the space is the limitations to growth um, because we don't have enough talent to support the growth. The military doesn't come out with people that have data center experience, but they do offer the one thing I think this industry lacks the most. This industry does not lack smart people. It does not lack genius or intelligence. It only lacks courage and leadership. People coming out of the military, they tend to be trained first and foremost on those things. And we felt that we could, we could help them organically and natively learn the language of our of our vertical, but uh, we couldn't teach them how to be good people. So we knew that there was more pent up demand that was growing for qualified labor. And we knew that if we brought more value to the table than our competition, that we would have an opportunity to win more than our fair share of the, oper- of the work. Our only advantage was that we had a paramilitary type culture. More, I would say more than 50% of our culture right now <clears throat> is former military, but not all of them are, but they have a military or a paramilitary type mindset, meaning that the mission comes first, the command comes first, and we are there. We are our brother and sister's keeper. Like We are there to build each other up, not, not see how we could climb over each other to get to the top. We went out and we just started hiring folks coming out of the military that don't have a, a background that's traditional in our space i mean which you've been around forever mm-hmm. air force power gen pros navy nukes very prevalent in our space but you know one of the things we're proudest of is we we uh, we created a program called ovita which is the overwatch veteran in transition apprenticeship and what that means is we've hired uh air force uh security police uh, marine corps mps we've hired aviation boats mates from the navy we've hired Coast Guard damage control men, uh, and then we've hired infantrymen out of the army. And within six months of our training program, not only have they been immersed on a data center program, they also have earned their CDCP and they now have a stronger purpose
1: which is and, a c- certificate for a data center a, a practitioner.
2: Yep, they're uh, they've within the first six months they become a certified data center professional, and that level of pressure isn't unusual for them. Uh, many of them come from the military, where they have a certain allotted amount of time to earn a <laughs> warfare pen. Uh, like I was on a submarine, mine were dolphins. I had to earn my fish. Surface fleet has their own warfare pin, and each branch of service has something unique to them that says. I didn't just show up and do the minimum. I did as much as I could to become a subject matter expert in my space. Again, we knew that if we gave them this target and gave them this mission, that when they were done, they would have the ability to, to go do something productive, to go advance something bigger than themselves again, and be purpose-driven. And And I keep saying the word purpose, which is the only thing we focus on. It Everything else we do goes in orbit around it purpose is because, you know, in spite of the fact that I don't want to trivialize, but we, let's say we lost 8,000 people since September 11th, you know, soldier, sailors and airmen in, in combat in Afghanistan, Iraq, we've lost almost 200,000 veterans since they've come home to suicide. We used to have a statistic, it was called 21, 21 kill represented the number of veterans that killed themselves every day in this country. We knew that if we went out and provided purpose to more veterans as a byproduct of that, we would help do our part to reduce that headcount. We're gonna do our part to continue to help solve the existential threat of the mission critical vertical by introducing leadership and courage and training them ourselves while we also are benefiting the veteran community by creating a bridge between them and their next mission. So, you could be in the active duty military. You don't have to be a Navy Duke. And you, you could be an infantryman. You could be an aviation boatswain's mate. You will be able to come in and learn what we do and go and bring value to these other companies whose cultures may be starving for selfless leadership. That's our primary focus. So, again, we, you know, our, our business models uh, 100% designed about helping our sophisticated customers unleash all the emerging technologies that that we see developing in this world that make our lives better as consumers. We get to be at the front edge of these these cloud deployments, but our purpose is to go provide as much purpose to our fellow veterans so we could reduce the suicide rate and as a byproduct of that also help the industry as a whole have more talent.
1: Let me ask what that looks like in practice. Mm how, when, when you're looking for people to bring into your training program, get veterans involved in, in the industry and give them that sense of, of purpose, how does that, uh, has that sort of uh, talent acquisition project uh, you know, work for you? And then in terms of the training program you mentioned uh, where you have uh, six months to a, to a certificate, uh, what's that process like and what do you find are the tasks that folks are you know, best suited to, to kind of start with and, uh, and how do you train them for, for the kind of progression that uh, so many folks like, like yourself have experienced in the industry? What does that process look like?
2: Another great question. <clears throat> so how do you do it, right, when the, the social dynamics between one person and the other is so massively different? People from the Pacific Northwest are massively different than those from, you know, the south of Florida, and just try to imagine, you know, now we get into certain genders and, and ethnicities, races, and religions. So, but how do you, how do you take these people and create a homogenous environment that makes it a very easy paint-by-numbers approach for people to find success and bring purpose? And the answer is, is we start with a known baseline. The easy part about reaching into the veteran community is we know the minimum standard that everyone that has served if you've raised your hand and taken an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States at all costs, including up to and including your life, that's a basis standard for what your character is at. And we could take those people and we could kind of read and interpret some of their, um, their career paths when the military. You know, the Navy has what's called NECs, Naval Enlistment Careers, or Military Operational Specialties, MOSs. EIEIO, it doesn't matter. We know how to take a baseline and say, okay, at a benchmark level, this is where all of these people fall into. And then from that point forward, now we could start tearing it down to whatever their career field is. The, mil- the military's probably done the best job at, at managing diversity, right? Because they don't care. They strip everybody down, and you are one person, a part of that cog. And nobody cares about the snowflake special individuality of you. You are there to contribute to a greater cause, a greater mission, a greater command. And we take these people that are already used to coming in and they they are used to learning at an accelerated rate. What the military does is it doesn't teach you everything, but to everybody, it teaches you how to learn. It doesn't matter if you're going to be successful in the military. There's an allotted amount of curriculum that comes out every week typically and then it's testable on Fridays. And if you don't pass, then your weekends are shut off. They hold you accountable to learning. We learn how to learn in the military. I can't draw primary and secondary nuclear propulsion still, but I did make it easy for me to learn what a four bus distributed redundant electrical topology looks like. And that is something that is learned no different than how you would learn, Rich. If we were to take you as a kid and throw you in the deep end of the pool, you would figure out how to swim to the edge. You would survive. These people that get on these ships, get on these submarines, get on these aircraft, get into these commands that are very high speed, low drag, there's a warfare pin or something that they have a clock ticking that says you have this much time to learn this thing or we don't want you in this unit because this is the standard. For us, we take people transitioning out, we understand and try to identify where their standard does. We try to understand what their aptitude is based on what their career fields were. And then based on their character, we will bring them on at our risk. We, we put them on projects at no cost to our customers for those first few months, because we wanna invest into these people and grow their career. We're not gonna be able to go out and hire. There's only so many people in this space that have experience. What am I gonna do? Just go hire them from another company that does not solve the problem of the existential threat of our vertical. And it also doesn't help the veteran community. So we will go out on our own dime Hire a transition veteran after we understand where they fall within the standard. And the thing that we do different is we don't hire candidates just when we have a job opening and then slam it through and make sure that it's profitable. We will hire them, put them on the bench, go put them on programs with a senior PM. We let them ramp in, but we hold them accountable to a very tight timeline. But they're used to that pressure. Depending on whatever they did in the military, they are used to being pushed hard. And they know that the push and the friction comes from a good place. So we challenge them. We keep them challenged. We keep them omnipresent on what the mission is. Uh, every time that a customer of ours hires a senior PM, we give them a transitioning veteran at no cost. And we use that as the incubator for six months to teach somebody what it looks like to be in this vertical. Now they know how to survive. We throw them the deep end of the pool. we It's really important to know that we have people on our staff that are seasoned experienced data center, construction project managers, even some that are on the operation side, they're never going to be billable to our customers. They are only there. Their only customer is our team. So we invest so hard in that culture, like the military would to us. And we invest to where each one of these juniors, and we have a junior from every branch of service, and we have multiple juniors running at all times. We bring them in and we anchor them with someone that has a lot of patience and a lot of wisdom and a lot of knowledge of in the industry. And their only job is to be challenged and tested on a daily basis in real-time aptitude and knowledge of what we do. And the only way that mission succeeds is we, we give them a support system. And that support system is our field commander. And I think that when you invest into these people, just like in the military, Uh, they're going to have loyalty to our mission and to our command. And it's going to also solve the existential threat of our vertical because we're going to now have in six to nine months or someone that could actually bring a lot of value, maybe stand on their own. And uh, we've, we've contributed to the purpose that they have in their mission in life and helped reduce hopefully, you know, depression and anxiety. And and the industry is better off by having one more person who has leadership and courage.
1: Let me ask a little bit about what the, the, the sort of services uh, uh, portfolio looks like that for overwatch you've mentioned that that you're working with different kind of clients different kind of jobs uh, it looks like there's a, a fairly wide range of, of things that you do uh, tell me a little bit about what your services look like
2: we started knowing that this is the right direction to go into but we were agile meaning like we had to analyze and interpret the needs of the industry which change quarter by quarter if not faster. But we also had to be ready to pivot as a business in the event that another opportunity presented itself. We had to be willing to go reinvent ourselves and we're not going to just stay the course if it didn't look like it was going to be a creative in the long term. So for us, we started off by offering project management services and we're blessed because 50% of our customers are enterprise end users that are very prevalent and we all know their names and we all use their products. The other half are the best in class data center operators you could find. And and those people, um, they care about the growth of this space. Our very first customer was Chris Crosby of Compass. Without Compass, we wouldn't have an Ovita program. Chris Crosby and his team, like Tammy and Tim and everybody else that's involved, they are so focused on helping veterans and bringing diversity to our vertical that um, we couldn't fail in spite of ourselves because they are so focused and driven on our mission as well that we were able to evolve into the Obita program, which we never really intended to have, but it just kind of took on a life of its own. And Without that customer, we would never been able to do that. The other thing is we've had other amazing customers that have a lot of demand. Their, the adoption rate of their apps mm-hmm. are so high that we couldn't grow fast enough. So they invested into us enough that we had to go find more people. So we we did what most companies do. We went to um, military headhunters and we paid uh, a large fee. And we said, look, we can't keep up with the demand of our, our customer's growth. We can't get bodies fast enough. And I mean, we started with two people, we're just under 30 people. And we expect to grow by five bodies per quarter next year, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it's enough to where I can't afford to go pay 20, 25% finder's fee to a headhunter. What happened was, is we went out and we, and we started talking to our friends that are on the bases. I have friends that are command master chiefs all out out, Naval Station San Diego. We hosted our own hiring conference in Naval Station San Diego this, uh, this week. We were out there and we all have connections to the waterfront or to Fort Hood or to all the military bases across the country. We have 18,000 veterans in our database now. So what happened was, is we needed people. We would go out and we'd interview 60 people to, th- to hire one. We've screened 3,000 people so far and the problem is, is now we have these amazing people, but we couldn't find a, we couldn't find a project for them because you know our pipeline didn't support bringing on more bodies than we needed. So we got to the point where we knew that they're awesome. We knew we wanted them, and we couldn't hire them. So what else do you do? But you look out for your friends. So we would call this contractor, call that contractor, call that company. And we would send their resumes over and be like, hey, this is a really good person, they're talented, they're transitioning out of the military now, or they just got out. We don't have room for them, but we think they're bringing a lot of value. And people were sucking up these candidates left and right. And finally, we're like, maybe we should do this and make it a line of business. So you know, staff augmentation is our primary line of business we use to generate revenue today. Fairly soon, well, our goal is to help place a thousand transitioning veterans in 2022. We have a flat rate of 10%. That's it. We make it super simple. Hey, you have people. In fact, the more economy is scale, you get a better price point. Well, I'll take that number down to 7.5% if you're hiring more veterans. We don't care. It's not our primary line of business. It does cost us money to go screen these candidates, so we need to cover that cost. But our mission as a business is to go out and provide purpose for veterans. So again, if we can't grow organically enough to bring on all the qualified talent that we find somebody needs to hire them and I'd rather keep them in this space I'd rather keep them in this vertical so we developed a second line of business so that's staff allocation so staff augmentation owners representation services primary line of business secondary is staff allocation so we have operators that we're dealing with right now that are like I'm not really bought into the owner's rep model my people need to be FTEs and we say no problem How about you hire someone from us on a contract basis? And when you feel comfortable, hire them. It's their choice. People try to hire full-time. I mean, if you have an owner's rep group, every one of your employees at some point is going to be pursued by one of your customers. When we're asked by our customers, hey, we say it's their choice. Like We want these people to find joy in life. They need to be inspired by what they do. They need to feel safe in the environment they do it in, and they need to be fulfilled by what they do. If our customers offer our employees a better opportunity, then we can. We want that veteran to be happy. We want that employee to be happy, and we help them go. One of our very first Ovita candidates, our first graduate from the Ovita program, who was a, she was amazing. She came from an aircraft carrier, five thousand people on aircraft carrier, startup company of less than thirty. She feels more comfortable in a bigger ship. So we're going to help her. We've helped her go find a job with an amazing contractor. That's a big size one that she feels comfortable on. So we don't care again. I mean, sure, uh, we we think that we're going to bring value to the space by offering the type of talent that we do. But we're we're really focused on making sure that the veteran community has purpose in life. And if it doesn't be with us, then we're going to go help help them find it our own way. So we've discovered that that's a whole nother line of business for us. And there are people that they just want to hire flat out. They don't want to test drive them with us. We screen them, we interview them. We'll be hosting two hiring conferences off military bases this year. So uh, we'll be hosting one at the end of first quarter and we'll be hosting one in the third quarter. And we hope to bring a couple hundred candidates to each one of these hiring events and then bring on some of our partners from this ecosystem and see if there's talent there for them. And we think that it's not about just bringing talent into this space and solving that that existential threat, but... Mm-hmm. We're saving lives, we're changing lives, and that's a bigger purpose for us.
1: There's certainly a lot of uh, leaders in the data center sector who have military <laughs> experience, uh, who, like you know, like yourself. There's, there's a number of folks out there who worked on uh, Navy subs. Uh, it, it seems that there's either through uh, people who are themselves in decision-making uh, positions as veterans, or many who know and have been seeing the, the accomplishments of the many veterans that are, that are deployed in this industry. Does that uh, make your job uh, somewhat easier in terms of uh, uh, the support that the veteran community has in the data center sector or is there still like work to be done there?
2: Yeah, no, I, I guess I haven't thought about that question. I, no, I would say no. And I'll tell you why, and it's a good thing. The military standard or the military like, I think if I were to circle myself with nothing but a bunch of fellow submariners, they would hold me to a different standard than my civilian counterparts or maybe even folks that come from the Navy that didn't serve on a fast attack submarine. I think military people were probably really, really hard on each other and we hold ourselves accountable to a completely different standard. So I don't think that having a military narrative has brought us any advantage at all, actually. I. I think, in fact, it may have raised the bar and made it more challenging for us. We have to be more effective in what we're communicating, and we have to be, uh, we have to execute better than everybody else, right? And I think that that's the expectation that some folks have for us. So being a veteran and dealing with another veteran as a potential, potential customer, the, uh, no, I haven't I've yet to find the value or the advantage in that, but I, I tell you, I Maybe I should start thinking about that and just start Googling who else former military. What I can tell you is this. I don't think there's anyone in our space that um, hasn't worked with a veteran. And I think that not all veterans are great. Not all veterans, you know, um, some people are really struggling, right? Um, That being said is, I think that there's been enough of us that have made a strong enough impression that. Even if you're, you know, Joe Cava or Darren Dascarolis or whoever, whatever the brand, whatever the business, you've engaged with veterans and you're gonna look for a certain level of character. You know that those people will typically put out. They're gonna be highly productive and they're gonna work hard, right? And and I think that I think having veterans throughout at the community has only been the only advantage because those people that serve at a high altitude. And, Um, at their business, if they're making purchasing decisions, as you would say, or making hiring decisions, they've probably been exposed to a Navy nuke or Air Force person or uh, someone from a branch of, you know, I mean, you're going to have a hard time finding more discipline than the Army and and the Marine Corps, right? So, uh, I mean, Army has created some of the strongest leaders I've ever seen. Don't ever say that. Uh, I forgot Army-Navy games this weekend, but (laughs) There's amazing talent and they all come from different backgrounds. And I think that having enough military immersed in our space, that's been maybe an advantage because it's been easier for people to understand, but not on the leadership side. I think the leaders would probably make the bar even harder for us.
1: I I want to circle back to something you mentioned at uh, the beginning of our, our talk, which is that you started your business in November, 2019. Obviously that the pandemic has been a huge factor in the business and in all of our lives. Uh, I'm curious uh, what that experience has been like uh, for you and your team uh, as the data center industry has tried to adapt on the one hand, more challenging operating conditions, but on the other hand, a a huge uh, jump in demand for, for these services to keep the world running. What's it been like?
2: I would say this, it's been good. And I don't mean that in a morbid sound because we're happy that there's a global pandemic. Obviously that sucks getting on planes with masks, run around, you know, I mean, the amount of things that we've had to do is a byproduct of being worried about the real threats of of COVID versus a lot of the emotional, non-objective challenges that we have to deal with. So for us, I can't think of a better time to literally start a business because it forced us to lean into each other more. It's like, when I was in the military, my I'm, a little more history on me, I'm the youngest of a bunch of boys and we were, at, I have a brother in every branch of service. My father was E1 to 5 in the air force and he did 24 years active duty. I was born and raised on a military bases. Every man in my lineage is military. I, I've had the opportunity to, to be exposed to a lot and And the only thing that was great about my father's advancements in his career was that every time we moved, our family grew a little bit closer because we knew that sometimes it was the only people we would know when we got there, one command duty to the next when he would travel the country. When, When things go really wrong, we rally really hard. And for us, it forced us. I mean, every startup struggles with, There's no process or protocol for what you do. You build it as you go. Well, when something like that happens, it forces us to develop more processes. Still not enough. I mean, the soup's done cooking, but our protocols and how we engage with each other, the tools that we use from, you know, Monday.com, Slack, all the, I mean, there's a million tools that we use from Microsoft team, but it forced us to leverage more of this technology to lean in closer and get a little bit tighter as a business. You know, you run a little ballistic when you do a startup. I mean, a million companies fail in the first two years, right? Yep. And and I, I can't begin to explain how much research I did just to figure out we weren't, you know, failing to innovate or, you know, do things that were uh, gonna take us down the wrong path. But there's always a victory and loss, is what they say in the military. There's always something gained from a loss and from a from a bad situation. Like you're talking to a guy that When I worked at Eaton, I was a PM and everything was amazing. I had my entire career planned out. And then I got diagnosed with cancer, which changed everything for me. Everything in my life shifted to top, dead center. And the things that just don't matter, that normally make a lot of noise in my head, they just fell. And I just don't care about those things. Like I don't have fake problems and I don't have fake relationships. So everything in life became really important as I started thinking about my mortality Am I gonna be around in two years from now? So on and so forth. So for me, I've always looked at finding the best of the worst. And I think the people that come from my background are no different. So I, uh, I think that having COVID or having the pandemic break out before we were stabilized, uh, gave us a good charge so that we could never not be hungry. Like it just made us hungrier to grow and to survive. We weren't fighting for ourselves. We were fighting for each other and making sure that the, you know, the whole business did well and and that we were bringing on enough to make sure that if something happened to one of our customers and they couldn't pay, then we were covering that in person. We made it a commitment to ourselves that not only would we not fire anybody, we would grow. And we came out of the pandemic, and I think we tripled. You know, I think that when we came out of it, we were probably at fifteen people by then. And and I remember not only that, but amazing things still happen. We were growing as a business. We had people that worked for us that were graduating from college, getting married, adopting kids. We had people on our team that were getting their professional licenses, as architects. So much of that craziness was happening, but we just found the calm in the storm. And, and really, you know, I credit some of our customers for helping um, mentor me as a new CEO through the process. I mean, try to imagine this, pandemic breaks out. The whole world's a dumpster fire. You remember the first like four to six weeks of this. Yep. I'm in week three, brand new company. I have all these employees. I've hired more people than you know. I'm uh, than they're billable, so my SVA was high. And I just remember thinking, this is going to get really sporty. We're going to see what we're made of. I get a random text message from Chris Crosby that says, "Hey, I understand you guys just started your business. I know there's a lot of craziness going on. Let me know if you have any problems." This is a guy that has his own company that he has to deal with his own team and his own employees. Plus he has his customers and he needs to make sure they're okay and the partners that are bringing his vision to life. And he still has the time to reach out to one of his very, very, very tiny partners and make sure that we're okay. So we were lucky, right? We found the best, we had strong, we created better relationships with a lot of our customers. Our team grew stronger as a result of it. And, um, I, and it just makes you feel a little bit more invincible.
1: Obviously, uh, Chris is one of those people who thinks a lot about the future of the industry, and has, yeah, for sure. has thought about not just you know training, but but uh, education and and developing a curricula to, to get people in the industry, and and obviously through yeah, sure. hires and examples, you, you know, thinking about diversity, which is such a huge issue, particularly in light of the uh, the skills gap, you know, thinking about the the road ahead and what it looks like. Um, it seems that, that there is a, a lot of money coming into the data center sector. Data centers are getting bigger <laughs> bigger every day, it seems, as this digital transformation really you know, kicks into a higher notch, I think. As all that goes on, as someone who's thought a lot about the, the, uh, the talent issues that we have, and uh, you know, what's your take on what it will take to help the workforce keep pace with the growth of this of this business and, and the demand
2: more leaders that's what it takes doesn't need more experience i mean simon sinek won't you know he had a post once that i read it's like leaders aren't measured by how many people that follow them leaders are measured by how many additional leaders they make you know look look at digital realty Trust. is there any data center operator that has produced more c-suite people for our entire vertical not to mention they're one of the four big companies that represented what 45 billion of M&A this, this, mm-hmm. this year record-breaking, right? For me, you know, we need leaders and we need strong CEOs that are willing to invest. A lot of them will, you know, get on stage and talk about these things, but a lot of them don't practice what they expose. We need true leaders. And for us to solve this, this problem, in this space it doesn't have to be a ceo it could be someone that's you know in charge of running the delivery team for a platform at any operator we need people that are going to be willing to look at the problem different right right now it's easy to default back to what we always do whatever it is that we always do it would took a lot of time for us to be able to convince these operators That, I mean, the primary line of business they use to generate revenue is that data center space. So getting it built as fast as they can allows them to get a return. They want a very transparent and a predictable delivery model. How do you hold them up from all the pressures that they have to their customers or their shareholders with something that's not proven or, you know, it's brand new? And it takes takes that first 4% of the leadership of our space and we can see the leaders in our space. They may not know us, but we definitely know who they are and we get to watch them and we get to see what they do. And then we get to see what they say and we get to compare the two. We need more leaders in this space that are willing to do what Crosby was able to do, which was go, you know what? I'll take maybe a little bit of hit or I'm gonna take a little bit of a risk, but I think that we need more diversity in the space and I'm gonna do what we have to to do it. And, and as a byproduct of that, People are super loyal to that. And, and it turns out it's you don't have to take a hit and you don't have to let your schedules suffer because you can teach people our space, but you can't teach them to show up early, stay late and outwork everybody. And we're going to continue to open up new channels. Now it'll be financially creative. We didn't mean to go start, I guess, a headhunting company, but we did it as a byproduct to our mission. We needed more people. We were finding more than we could hire. And we wanted them to still find good homes, so we would navigate them through the ecosystem and help them understand the space. I've yet to ever find a veteran that got into the space that had any regret. They love what we're doing because it's so aggressive. We're growing so quickly. The amount of stuff that we're building is, on. I mean, we're record breaking almost year over year on what we do in this in this vertical, and and there's so many opportunities to grow. Look at me. I was a Service engineer, a project manager, a sales engineer, a salesman—you know, I, I got to kind of be on every part of it until I ran the platform. It aligned on the design, the construction, the engineering, and the delivery. I got to be a part of all of that just because I was hungry and I was able to grow. You could unleash yourself in this space. Why would you not want to be here? So I think that what we need to do is we just need to continue to see more leaders emerge that are willing to adopt new means and methods and bringing on talent and. Right now, it's very easy to say, they need to have five years experience. Well, what if they have five years experience on a submarine, but they understand this really well, can we train them for six months and let them understand it and then see if that works? I'll take the risk of training them if you'll take the the risk of hiring them. And we will ultimately not only be probably producing a better future for, you know, a better delivery team, we're saving lives. We're changing people by providing purpose. So Mm -hmm. I think it's a, it's
1: a win-win. Kirk, I appreciate you taking time to to share your story and tell uh, fill our audience in about, about Overwatch and and I also you know I appreciate your 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 mission and your purpose in this and and the way that you're you're making a difference uh, in a, a really important place. If uh, our <coughs> listeners are interested in learning more about Overwatch and about the the work that you do, how can they learn more?
2: We have a simple website. You can find us. Uh, On LinkedIn, which is if you have a career and you have a LinkedIn profile, you could just Google overwatch uh, or search up overwatch. Our website is weareoverwatch.com. I would just tell your listeners this. I am stunned to discover how many people are miserable in what they do. There are too many people that have jobs that they don't like or they work for leadership teams or management teams that they don't like. And my message to your listeners would be, I don't care if you're a veteran or not if you're unhappy and you want to go bring purpose to veteran community and make a change in this space, life is too short. I mean, I'm a cancer survivor and I was once told I'd have two years to live. That was 13 years ago, but I live my life as though this day could be the, you know, one of the last days of the last two years of my life. So we live in an amazing industry, crazy times, mm-hmm. tons of opportunity. And if your people want to find us, it's, we are overwatch.com or they can find us on LinkedIn.
1: Well, thank you again, Kirk, and uh, uh, thanks to all of you who have been uh, listening as we uh, tell the story of the data center industry one podcast at a time. Thanks, much. Thank you, Kirk, and uh, everybody, uh, we will uh, be back very
0: soon. Thanks for listening to the Data Center Frontier Show. You can find the show notes for this episode at datacenterfrontier.com slash including links to the resources Rich has mentioned. Be sure to subscribe to the Data Center Frontier show at Apple, iTunes, Spotify, or where you find your podcasts. If you enjoyed this show, please tell your friends or share about it on your social channels. You can always find us on the web at datacenterfrontier.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Until next time.